I hear. You know, can you hear it? I can Do you want to hear it? I mean, me either. I don't normally like him. I just like to hear how it sounds. Oh, he's asking you to talk. <laughs> That's Josh. Hi, this I'm is the great Pete. Harris Pete. Nice to see you, sir. <laughs> he's a CB. He is a CB? Yes. Yes. I have he's a amazing. friend who's a CB, and all he does is... Yeah, it was a CB 50 years ago. And all he does is fax me shit. Oh, the fax. CBs could do this. <laughs> Not fax. I, I'm yeah, yeah. No, I love it. Do whatever, it. Whatever the, the stupid word is now. Yeah. You know, you know. It's going to be one of those, Josh. Thank a CB. Yeah, right. They teach reading. They build bridges, roads. Yes, They're yes. amazing people. Da- Josh is one of them. Look at him bowing down. <laughs> um, all right, let's get started. Comedy Store would like you to know that the views and opinions expressed on this podcast are strictly those of the speakers or authors and do not necessarily reflect or represent the views and opinions held by the Comedy Store and its affiliates. I'm so excited. All right, we're starting. We're not going to do any of the morning shenanigans to scare Harris off. So <laughs> we'll just, just uh, yeah, <laughs> we'll just do um, regular nonsense, man. This is the Comedy Store podcast. I'm Eleanor Kerrigan. I'm Rick Ingram, and we have the great Harris Pete. Yes, call me great. I'm going to tell you why. Nothing about me because that could deserve that appellation. <laughs> why am I great? Because we. I, I mean, we loathe and love this yeah. place, but the stories from this place. We go crazy from, and we've talked about you a bunch on this podcast. In order to get great here, you just you just have to have done things that make people go. I got to tell you the story about Harris P. <laughs> I'll I'll say right now without hearing it, it's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> Every story is a lie. Every single one. Well, what I have noticed about comedians over the years, we embellish a bit. Is aside from myself, none of them are wedded to the truth. <laughs> they lie. They lie out their ass, out their nose, out oh. their ears. Every orifice that can drip and ooze and seep lies <laughs> is what they do. That is you know, pretty I, true. I've always said because uh, I try and, and keep it pretty honest. I always say the truth will hold me back, and it always has. Okay. I like that. I like I where need you to, went with I just that. need to learn to lie more. Just took the biblical thing and switched it right around yeah, to it. It's not going to work in Hollywood. Your heathen ways. Yeah. I like it. Okay. Rick's a heathen, much like myself. Okay. Lately. I burn bridges. <laughs> we all burn bridges, yeah, but we have I'm Josh and he can build them. So Perfect. everything's working out. We got a CB with us. <laughs> so, okay. So we have uh, seriously talked about you a few times, told different stories, but tell us what year you started here at the comedy I store. I started here... August 1st, 1977. And, and okay, so I'm working the door. It's my first night. I would go on on Mondays on amateur night. And it's my first night. And it's about 12.30, 1 o'clock in the morning. And Prime time. And I'm walking past the back. And Mitzi is sitting in the back of the room <laughs> in a barrel chair with her shoes off and her feet on a chair. And I'm walking past... And she says, hey, you, rub my feet. (laughs) And I'm thinking, this is my first night here. I I would like to continue to work here, but rubbing her feet is not part of my job description. (laughs) Good for you. So I looked at her, and I said, listen, lady, I know I'm new here and I want to get along, but there's just some places a man has to draw the line. (laughs) She looked at me and started howling. 
He's a pistol. He's a pistol. The New York is a pistol. <laughs> and, you know, I when I said it, I thought maybe I was getting canned right there, but... Yeah, taking that chance. Yeah, for that's sure. a big chance. Yeah. Well, you just you just gotta hang it in like Gunga did. <laughs> that's all you can do. Especially back then, did she get rid of people as fast as she did? Because when I started in '93, she was they were like in and out. Well, I'll, I'll tell you about the worst Mitzi story I can tell you. Okay, I like it. And, well, we have a disclaimer. You can say whatever you want. No, I, I'm, I'm kidding. Just telling you what I saw. Okay. This is about 1979, maybe 1980. And there was a girl who worked in a ticket booth. Her name was Belle. And she, she worked six or seven nights a week. Steve Moore's friend? Yeah. Yeah, I Bell's remember Belle. Sure. Uh, manager of, uh, of Katie Seagal. Yes. Okay? Yes. And, and Belle's a swell girl. Sweet. So, so anyhow, she's working seven days a week. Mitzi says, this is what I want you to do. Put an ad in the L.A. Times for a cover girl that can work two nights a week for you. You're here too much. Okay. What a kind and benevolent employer. <laughs> so Belle does it. And she also tells Belle, you interview him, you pick him. You train him. I, I don't want the girl to be too attractive. Naturally. Because it distracts the comedians. <laughs> really, she was just thinking of one comedian when she said that. Yep. But that's neither here nor there. Good He's to be here. here. He might Good be to be here, here everybody. Oh, hey, Argus. How's it going? Wink, wink, nod, nod, say no more, say no more. So, <laughs> Bell diligently interviews many, many people. Okay. Selects this girl, I won't say her name, and, and she was a nice girl. She was not ugly. Okay. She, she was not a knockout. The first night she worked by herself, Mitzi walks past the booth and looks at her, goes up to her office, calls Belle, says, this girl's too ugly. Get in here and fire her. <laughs> oh. It was a different time. You could fire people Actually, for ugliness. Then. Yeah, she did that to well, a... <laughs> I, I don't think that was mentioned in the termination report. I mean, I don't know what Belle said to her. Mitzi, walk past you and you're fired. I got some feedback, and your uh, face is not going to cut it. And it, it, I thought that was... A, that she was, did that a lot, though. She was something about looks. Well, she was. I saw that, and I thought it was cruel, because Belle did exactly what she said. The girl, there was nothing wrong with the girl. <laughs> she I, didn't have a limp or a hump no, or a no hump. And uh, well, and she wasn't here long enough to get one. <laughs> and it, it was just sad. Yeah. But let me also say that, you know, within 10 minutes of that, Mitzi might have done something incredibly generous. She, right. She would go back and forth. You know, because she was a little bit country, a little bit rock and roll. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, she had me. Um, she wouldn't let me hire anybody from New York. She was mad at New York. Then she was like, no blondes. Then she was like, I don't want them attractive. I'm like, okay. So for a while, if you notice, my waitresses look like the offensive linemen from the Seattle Seahawks or some shit. Like, I, I only remember Handmaidens of Venus. Oh, <laughs> wow. He's speaking, I believe he's speaking of uh, Corey Como Soto. Oh, wow. Well, well, I dare say Festival virgins festoon this place in great abundance. <laughs> If I may be so Yes, old. we had a lot of beauties, but then I'd have to sneak them in. Like, remember Anna? I don't remember Anna with the bright blonde hair. I used, she used to have to wear hats because Mitzi would to hide come from in. Mitzi. Yeah. When Mitzi would come in and be like, who is that? And I'd be like, nobody. And then Anna would put like a comedy store hat on and just run around and stay out of Mitzi's eye line. Because if you were in her eye line, that was it. You know, but just let me add, as far as Mitzi goes, 
Uh, there's a famous F. Scott Fitzgerald quote. That okay. There are no second acts in American life. Mitzi blew that to, to smithereens because <laughs> she had a second act to her life, second to none. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah she didn't start here until she was in her 40s, correct? Like, yeah, yeah. it had to be. Yeah. Crazy opening this place in her 40s. Ridiculous. What was funny back then was whenever she did interviews, she would change the age of her oldest child. So, <laughs> so she could be younger. You know, Smart. so all of a sudden, you know, she wasn't a Scotty's still in high school. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Scotty's, he's probably, what, 65? Around like there. That? You think? Yeah, what do you think? 65? Exactly, yeah. 64, I believe, is a year or two older than me. Wow. Yeah. And then there's a 10 year gap between Peter. Uh, Sandy, Peter, and Polly. Yeah. So that's that's a long. She told me that uh, the the conception of Peter was to save her marriage. Ooh. Okay. And of course, that's a really bad thing to do if a marriage is crummy. Yeah, of terrible course. plan. You know, don't have another <laughs> right. kid. This will this will save it you more know. stress. And then another right. kid. The, the husband proved he's already a son of a bitch. What do you want from him? Right, right, right. Oh yeah, yeah, Sammy. Yeah, too much. You see, Eleanor, we can speak freely on this because we've never been married. This is true. So we are perfect spouses. We are totally perfect. To offer advice to the <laughs> now, our young friend to my right. Yes. Has walked down the aisle. Rick has made the mistake. I mean, uh, got married. I don't have to worry about divorce, so because my Israeli wife will certainly murder me before <laughs> there's ever an issue with divorce. You're a lucky man. <laughs> yeah. So this go. I want to div- You've been miserable for long enough, and then I just will never wake up. It'll be beautiful. So you That's can it. do all the Jewish wife jokes, and they're true. <laughs> See I, I that? could, yeah. Well, but again, I will Israeli be murdered, Jew. though. Yeah. That's a whole nother. Oh, yeah, yeah no, they, you, you get to throw foreigner into the mix then no, also. Your American Jew is a completely different nut. Oh, yeah. yeah for sure. <laughs> a nicer nut. A little a little softer, I should say. Not nicer, yeah, softer. Okay, well, you know, if they're from here, we understand them better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we understand them better. No. Okay, where I live, oh. there's no minorities. Really? None. Oh, it's Montana. Yeah. In, in Whoa. Montana. And like sometimes, none at all. Like, no, sometimes the liberals will complain. That go, there's none. And go, our town has n- not enough diversity. And I tell them, what are you talking about? We got Swedes and Norwegians. Yes. Whoa. <laughs> we got muleys and whitetails. What more could a town need? That's amazing. Ma- mountains scare a lot of minorities. I, on, some are, not of, Mexicans. Mexicans hide in the mountains all the yeah. time. That, all right, I've that's been pretty, watching That's Narcos. pretty far north. So level them if <laughs> yeah. you want them to. Yeah. <laughs> I, I lived in, uh, in Estes Park, Colorado one summer when I was in college. College just because I didn't want to have to move home for the summer, and we counted the black people. On I was one there hand? for three months, and I, we ended up, I think, with seven black people. That, and those are just people visiting. I worked at a hotel. Right. They weren't even coming to <gasps> oh, visit. Oh, my goodness. It was just like, oh, there's white people, and there's some whiter people. <laughs> that's but, amazing. Yeah. yeah, I didn't, uh, I don't know. I, that's foreign to me. Yeah, you're not Philly. Be. Philly, and then I remember, I mean, Philly's segregated. Philly has its issues, but I remember when I first moved here, my neighbor was black, and I was like, oh. It was a little shocking at first, and then I was like, oh, wait. Oh, okay. He's this is human, different. Just like <laughs> <laughs> but it really was. Like, at first, I, I remember, like, looking at my roommate, like, is this okay? And he was like, it's fine. I'm like, oh, all right. Well, I'll tell you about the town I grew up in. You're in New York, right? Yeah, in New York, right by Kennedy Airport in Queens. Nice. My town was all white when I was growing up. Of course, things have changed over the years. 
as uh, people get into the middle class, they get middle class housing. Anyhow, <laughs> anyhow, we're at football practice. Okay. And back then, you would bring your football shoes and you would change into them when practice started. It's not like kids now who wear the shoes in the car and then go to the. Oh, field, that's terrible. You know, because they don't understand. So, anyhow, we would put on our football shoes and throw our sneakers in a pile and everybody wore their worst sneakers to football practice. Of course. So anyhow, one time we're practicing and the coach blows the whistle, says, everybody gather around here, gather around quick. He says, listen, boys, you might want to hide your sneakers. I just saw a couple of coons. <gasps> and I remember, and again, whatever my racial thoughts were then, I'm thinking... These, whoever they are, they don't want our sneakers. <laughs> These ratty-ass kids and PF flyers. Right. Who the and, hell wants them? But, again, this was a full-grown man who thought that was the best advice at the time. <laughs> to give a bunch of teenage yeah, kids. Me, Hide your sneakers. Get let me set sneakers. these kids straight. It's a different time. Crazy. Yes, it is. Yes. It is. I mean, today you'd all be arrested for saying something like that. That's true. Well, only he said it. Well, that's true. That's true. He'd be arrested. He'd be fired as a coach. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you can't say anything. I don't think he'd be arrested. He was a cop. Oh, Jesus. That makes more sense, oh then. God. He would have. He would have. He wouldn't have had to warn you because he would have just shot the the two black guys. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's how it works. Uh, all right. So, so you come here, seventy seven August. Yeah. You get a job here. Yes, I do. Who are the comics that you start with? Like, who's your you moved here to be a comic? Did you do stand-up in New York? I, I started doing it my last year in college. Oh, okay. Up at the State University of New York College at Brockport. And then I came out here, and I was here a little while, a couple of months, and then I started coming here on Monday nights. Okay. And, and well, to be specific, I think I started the week before Freddie Prinze died. So that would wow. be mid-January of uh, 77. Wow, yeah, we've had Bursky on. Son of a bitch. Son of a bitch. Sorry, Rick. He he understands the (laughs) just. I almost left when you just said his name. (laughs) In fact, if you say it three times, (laughs) he will. He'll pop up. Uh, You know, gas prices the uh, week that Harris showed up. Bursky juice. Bursky juice. Bursky juice. (laughs) No. And anyhow, so yeah, and well, who Argus was already a regular. I don't think Binder was. but Binder was so young, right? Yeah, he, he was came like here at eighteen. Yeah, because I remember him being, him and Bursky were being the youngest to be on the Tonight Show. Yeah, well, no, Binder was never on the Tonight Show. Wasn't it? He was on Letterman. Letterman, I'm sorry. Byron Allen and Bursky argue over who is who was younger. Right, right, right. Okay, I knew there was two. And it's really not important. No, it's show business. They can both claim it. It's like professional wrestling. People aren't going to look up the records. Wait a minute, <laughs> <laughs> they're not. <laughs> but yeah, so so uh, the Bursky, whatever, he oh, was Bursky already was here. A big deal when I got here, already a big deal. And his father was the doorman. Right, I knew his, both his parents worked here, right? Yeah, I forget what his mother did here, but I always remember seeing Helen around. It was Helen and uh, Herman. Herman, Helen and Herman. How cute! That explains Bursky. So, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. And Charlie Hill is he Charlie Hill. already? Charlie was already here. You know, also a big deal. Yeah, Charlie was a big deal, and 
he remained a big deal to me till the day he died. Same. Yeah, great you guy. Know? We're big on Charlie Hill. He's one here. of my favorite people. You know, sometimes I fault myself for things I didn't do in my life that I didn't extend myself for other people. And Charlie calls me and tells me he's going to be in Montana. And he was going to be at the Sioux Reservation doing a show for his people. Okay. At, uh, it was in the middle of February. And... It was about 300 miles away, and I knew it was going to be a pain-in-the-ass drive to get there at that time of year, but I went, and I went to the show, and then we shared a motel room, and then I drove him back to the airport, but we hit a snow drift, and I wound up in a field, and Charlie had to get to the airport, and this is how Montana is. We were about 200 miles from the airport. The guy stopped and said, well, I'm not going that way, but I'll take you. <gasps> Damn, that's Whoa. good people. Yeah, that, that's one of the reasons I lived there, and so I went. To, and then that was the last time I ever saw Charlie. He died, I guess, a year and a half, uh, less than two years later. So I was glad that I did that. Of course, yeah, because he's the sweetest. I mean, he's always been nice yeah. to me, especially like and to have him see me do stand up and then compliment me and give me like notes. I was like in heaven, like oh my god, yeah, and that's then if amazing. He watched you, he would laugh. You could hear the yes. greatest laugh he did. of anyone, and he could even watch someone bomb, <gasps> and he would laugh because he knew what the joke was supposed to be. Right, you right. Know? So you could even screw it up, but he would translate it <laughs> in, in, into you know real comedy, and he'd laugh at it because he knew you were on the right track. He was just wonderful. I was in Green Bay for a football game three years ago. And he's buried there, and I didn't get to go to his grave. Oh, and I didn't know he's buried there. Yeah, buried okay. in Green Bay in a Catholic cemetery. There you go. I know he has a lot of kids, correct? Uh, I think four. He's got, yeah. Oh, I thought there was more. Uh, maybe I'm thinking of... He, he brought it, I remember, like, maybe a year before he died, he was up, he came up here, and he was real skinny, and he... Uh, he brought one of his daughters and gorgeous. just gorgeous. Gorgeous. Girls, two boys. Yeah. Ridiculously gorgeous. She looked like, I remember uh, like a real daughter. life version of the Disney cartoon yeah. of Pocahontas I'm where like, you're just like, whoa, she's beautiful. <laughs> and I'm like, Charlie, is this your daughter? He's like, ah, stay away. <laughs> I was like, huh? That was Nazba. Yes, sir. Boy, girl, girl, boy. Is that what he did? Good. Good for him. That was smart, boy. Uh, I, the first time mm-hmm. Mitzi sent me to La Jolla... I was opening for Charlie, and I was I was nervous just because I'd never met him and I didn't know him. And it was Thanksgiving, and Mitzi wanted me to be one half. <laughs> it was of the, Thanksgiving. That was why yeah. you were nervous. Okay. No, no, it was Thanksgiving. <laughs> she, she wanted me to go. Uh, a cowboys and Indians was the theme. Jesus, because I'm from Kansas. I guess I was a cowboy. <laughs> and when they so tell me, I was like, uh, I go, but the Thanksgiving though is like pilgrims and. In Indians, and they were like, "No, the it's best. cowboys." I'm like, "Oh, okay." And I'm like, "Do I have to do cowboy jokes?" Like that's how early into trying yeah. to do comedy I still was. And I was so nervous that I was going to have to stay in the condo with this comic I didn't know, and it turned out to be great because yeah. Charlie was super cool, and Jesus. I just smoked my pot. And he'd sit next to me, and be like, "I wish I could hit that," but <laughs> but he had to quit smoking or something at that point. No, staying in the, in the condo with so, a comic you didn't know, I always found to be fun. I stayed there once with Lois Bromfield, and she walked around naked. There you go. All right, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, that's. And she she was good looking. Yes, she was. <laughs> yeah, that's a she sweet deal. She had a deal. great body too. Yeah, she was. I mean, she was a pretty girl, but she also was like yeah, built I, very nice. I had to stay there with Barry Diamond once, and almost had okay. the same effect. Yeah, he walked around. There's a lot of. 
<laughs> there was a lot of I'm like, wait a minute, what's going on have here? Have there been any sightings of him lately? I have not seen Barry Diamond. They uh, no. they played one of the songs he used from Four Non Blondes yeah. last night at the Christmas party, and I was like, he's going to oh, no, all the rafters. Barry is Barry coming? Is Barry here? You remember I saw when he him started on, uh, singing? I saw him on the news. Wait, like, recently? No, maybe two years ago. That's the last time I saw him. Wow. He was. They were interviewing people in Venice, and he was down there. Hair is like stark white, and I'm like, yes, yes. No way it it was a little now. shocking when I saw yeah. the white hair, but it's because Barry had such dark hair, and like you know, he was he would still feather it and shit. So it was like, whoa, yeah. he has good hair, and it's bright white, pretty color. But him. he is a little nutty. God love him. I love. <laughs> I mean, they were here when I started. There's a lot of frightening berries out there in the world. <laughs> That's true, but he—they were like the hot kind of when I. He was a great act. He was great act. Clo- close shows on the weekend. Yeah, know, audience loved him. Did Mitzi pass you right away? Did it take long? Did it? Uh started doing it in January, and she passed me in September. Well, that's not bad at this all. This is a good story if you want to hear Yeah, please. It. I want to hear all these. So, again, I continue to work Monday nights. And I would go on Monday nights. And then in <laughs> August, the day Elvis died, okay. no comedian showed up. August so 16th. So the waitresses, who I guess were really in charge, told me I had to go up. So I went <sighs> up. And so that was like the first non-Monday I ever did. Mm-hmm. But then on... Monday, September 19th, uh, I, was, I, w- I just went on, and she watched, and she told Robert Aguayo, tell him I'm going to give him a spot tomorrow. Okay. On Tuesday, I'm going to get a spot. So I go home, and I'm real excited about that. I'm yeah. getting a real spot at the comedy store. Man, ain't I something, huh? <laughs> and so I go I'm going to write a newsletter. Phone rings at 6 in the morning. My brother telling me my father died. Oh. Okay. So at that time, I worked at, a, at an electronics repair place on La Brea. And I went to work, and I was kind of in a fog, and my boss says to me, you know, what's wrong? I said, my father died. He goes, get out of here. Yeah. You don't come to work when your father dies. I said, well, I didn't know what to do. So anyhow, I go home, and then they tell me the funeral is the next day. Yeah, and I better I better go to the airport and, and and come right now, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, my father's dead. I love my father, but I got a spot tonight in comedy, <laughs> <laughs> and if I don't do it, this is it the will future. Reflect yeah, bad. I mean, yeah, it it, it could definitely put the kibosh on any kind of future <laughs> this poor boy might have. So I figure I better go talk to Mitzi. There you go. Okay, so about one in the afternoon. Looking for rational advice. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> as Billy, as Billy Preston used to say, nothing from nothing leaves nothing. <laughs> nothing. That's right. Anyhow, I I go in, knock on the door. Mitzi, it, it, it's Harris. Oh, come on in. So I say, listen, uh, Robert Aguayo told me that you're going to give me a spot tonight. She's shaking her head. I go, well, my father died. If, if I go to the funeral, will you give me a spot when I come back? <laughs> and she's looking at me like I landed from Planet Nectarine. Oh, my God. And, you know, she's actually getting worried. Yeah. And she, no, no, go. Go to the funeral. I'll, I'll give you a spot when you come back. <gasps> but the point of this story is that 
you want to get along here, you want to succeed, it can make you nuts. C- certainly. And it made me nuts that day. Yeah. Perhaps the last time it ever made me nuts, but it made me nuts to think that you had missed your daddy's funeral <laughs> to do an 815 spot. For free, probably. Yeah, of course. It was not <gasps> at that time. Oh, oh yeah, because this is pre-strike. Yes. So, wow. Yeah. So, so there's a story, uh, 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 you know... For you civilians listening, you're lucky people. Yes. Get up tomorrow and go to work and don't be nuts. Yeah, because it, it will drive you nuts. Like, should I come back for this? Should I do that? Should I stay uh, here? I was should actually I... weighing that. Should I pass on the funeral? Yeah. Holy uh, shit. Listen, I got a comedy spot. I think Dad would understand. <laughs> Family would be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, I, I hang out at the comedy store is what's wrong with me. Yeah, that's I've exactly what I've lost my fucking mind. I think there's stuff wrong with most of us before we come here. For sure. And this just exacerbates it. Yeah. One of our favorite things that Simone and I, Steve, Simone and I always talk about that you would tell us that uh, Hollywood will give you just enough to make you. Just when you decide to quit, <laughs> it'll lick your ass again. <laughs> and you're like, oh, that feels and that, good. Yeah. Oh, I like oh, that. Oh, I see a light. Ooh. Oh, I'm. <laughs> I'm playing a pineapple in, in an underwear commercial. <laughs> I, I, I can see where this is going to lead. Yeah, you know, this one day you'll play work. a zucchini in an underwear commercial. <laughs> so, yeah, just when you think you've had enough, you get a little stroke. Yeah, right? a little tiny. Yeah. A little tiny. It's every just, time. It's every fucking time, Harris. And every time it happens, I go, you know what? This is what Harris Pete says. And this is bullshit. So don't fall for this. I'm this trying. A, this little by f- little, I'm, I'm talking myself out of this, this business. This is the fake pineapple. <laughs> the, the pineapple underwear confidence. I don't even get not- pineapple underwear confidence anymore. <laughs> it's just a little, 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 little carrot dangling. The bitch goddess success has a taste for blood. Yes. <laughs> She does. A lot of blood. All of your blood. All of your soul. All of your everything. That's right. This stuff will make you funky like a monkey. (laughs) Oh, my God. I remember hearing you once, uh, someone asking you about best comedians, and you responded that Jim Varney was one of the best comedians. Jim Varney was great. You know, it's a shame that he's not known for what he did as comedy. But you know, I don't know. What, what was his comedy at all? like? I just yeah. know his movies. He did, he I just did, know Ernest. He That's did all characters I better than anybody, and the whole Ernest thing was came a character. From something that he did on stage, and he realized he could do regional commercials with it all over America, and then the regional commercials became national commercials. But he was he was out there, brother. He made a fortune out of yeah. that. That's a that's a gold mine. That you whole know, Ernest then, goes course, to everywhere. Yeah, Ernest movies. And, you know, he used to do these these strange bits about him and his friends used to hang out at a gas station. And, and one day, the, you know, the guy would send him to go get him coffee. And they slipped LSD in his coffee. And he was drinking it. And uh, they left. And the next day, time they came back, the guy goes, There's been some strange things going by here since you boys been here. Uh Put a car on the lift and put it through the roof. I can't judge my distance. And he'd go on and on, and the hook in it was, I can't judge my distance. And it was funny. And he'd do a bit about, you know, an incorrigible kid. You know, a kid who just has so much energy and won't shut up. And, uh, uh, you know, the kid's going, make some fudge. 
Is Zorro on? What time is it? Let's go in the back and jump off the garage. What time is it? And he, he, he was just funny, flat out funny. But that's like exactly, uh, people do that co- somewhat of that bit yeah. and change it up, obviously. But that's, yeah. that's the 70s you're talking about when he's right. doing this. So that's like the beginning for It was us. funny. I went to see Leno a couple of years ago in Billings, Montana. And when I was talking to him before, I said, you know, I'm really interested to see, you know, what happened to those great jokes you were doing in the 70s. And he said, well, Mr. Pete, you'll just have to see. And, <laughs> and so I'm watching, and there'd just be little tiny traces of the joke that it had okay. morphed so much. But I did see some traces, and he was absolutely great, as good as stand I was going to say, yeah, he, they say he was one of the best. I never... Now I'm talking about. Even now, though. I wow. saw him do two one-hour and 55-minute shows. He doesn't sing. There's no fireworks. Right. Just making people Jokes. Laugh. Nice. I like that. He's absolutely the best. I, I hope I see him before I have to leave. Yeah. I mean, I, he was obviously wasn't coming here by the time I got here, so I never really right. went to see him perform. Or, you know, you only he see him on funny. the TV show. He was generous. He tried <clears> to help <throat> comedians. He tried to help comedians he didn't even like. I remember one night, you know, standing in the back, and, and this comedian who, you know, was a good comedian here, he, his name isn't famous now, but he... He closed the show on weekends, did a great job. You know, Leno says, how are you doing? He goes, you know, I've just been having trouble. I just haven't been getting laughs the last few times I've been on. Huh. Leno says, really? Tell you what to do. Do my act. Do any of my stuff that you want. Just tell me what you did before I get here. So, I mean, when I get here, so I don't do it again. And if it's stuff of mine that always works and you don't get laughs with it, you know it's you. Uh, I can't imagine another comedian telling another comedian do my act. No. Yeah, he's like the anti wheels. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So, and, and also, also Leno never went on stage with a piece of paper. I, I respect that a thousand Which times is over. Me too. Tribute to his superior editing ability. When yeah. he first took the joke on stage, it was good. He'd make it better, but it was good out of the box. Yeah. So many guys bring paper up. Well, ah, that new one, you won't see that crap again. I've seen people with an easel. Please. They're <laughs> <Yeah>. crazy. <laughs> and and, and you, so you never saw him with a piece of paper. But then you go over his house, and in the corner of the living room is a stack of black yeah. and white <laughs> notebooks to the ceiling. Wow. But, you know, and then... When Leno was done with the premise, it was pretty much done. And I think Seinfeld got that from him. Okay. And because Seinfeld milked him even more. And I bet, yeah. <coughs> oh, you mean milked his jokes even more. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. When he was done with the premise, there was no more humor left to be extracted, <laughs> is what I'm saying. And Leno was great at it, and I think Seinfeld even took it to another level. Yeah. And were, were you guys roommates at one point, you and Leno? No, I never lived with anybody here. Oh, I didn't know. I just, Thanks or you Chris. guys. That was always that was always the rumor. Yeah, or, say, or you slippers. guys were just close. He I was lived your... in the same building with Letterman. So uh, oh, maybe that's what it was. Out of that. Yeah. Was that Mitzi's building? Uh, not no. Mitzi's building, but across she used to get street, apartments. Across the street, uh, the Sunset Tower Hotel. Yes. I guess had been a hotel before I lived there. So you had a room and a bathroom. And in 1978, that was $210 a month. Oh, wow. we actually lived at the Sunset Tower. 
the, the small, not the giant tower, the Sunset Plaza, whatever's next to it. Right. Oh, okay. oh, the, stan- or the little standard. One. The little no the standards beyond it. Oh, the okay. standard when I moved here was the Golden Crush Retirement. Home. <laughs> Beautiful. I do yeah, actually. I do I'm remember some there of that. now, and there's there's a couple of them still rolling around. <laughs> <laughs> found, fa- found one of the bastards in my mini bar this afternoon. And, That's uh, amazing. Yeah, no, if you walk right across the street here, and then to the left, the first. You know, place you can stay at right there. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. I can't okay. think of the name of it, but yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so Letterman Best lived Western. there. Something I lived like that. There. George, yeah, George Miller, Miller lived there. Argus took Letterman's apartment. Uh, Ludeck lived there. Love a lot. A lot of guys lived there at one time or another. You know, but that's one of the things about then that isn't now. You know, you could come here in 1976. And get an apartment and have a car and work a minimum wage job. Yes. Now, if you do that, you're living with five other people mm-hmm. and you can't afford insurance on a car. And you're not even close to this place. you got to go right. way far from and here. So, yeah, living across the street was very convenient. And so, so yeah, it was great. In fact, my Uber driver on the way to El Segundo today told me that a friend of his came here six years ago and paid $500 to sleep in someone's kitchen. Okay, I believe that. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. You know, just, That's an Airbnb. <laughs> That's so, how they do it. They'll yeah. be like, hey, my kitchen is big. You can stay there. You know, so I, and, and there was way less traffic back then. Oh, my God. And how crazy a, is the traffic now? For a young person, it, it was a really good place to live. And if you're from back east, the first few years, just the fact that there's no winter. No winter, yeah. You think you're getting something for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Wake up and die. And went to heaven. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I get so mad every time it's cold or rains. I'm like, we should get at least two hundred dollars off of rent this month. This doesn't seem fair. Yeah, yeah. So we should get reimbursed. They should. The city of LA should pay us back a little bit <laughs> for not providing thirty straight days of perfection. Yeah, I mean, that's what makes you stir crazy. I think here that the sun is always out. Uh, it I is feel, always one out. Of the things I, I I find crazy and when it's about not, living you think here. You left. Yeah, I I just feel like it, it's hard to judge how much time has gone by because yes. there's no seasons. Right. So it's like I've been here for 17 years, but it kind of feels like I've been here for both. Sometimes it feels like I've been here for 30 years, and sometimes it feels like I've been here for like five years. Yeah, it's it's strange. It's terrifying. A very very strange place. <laughs> it always has been. Even you know, even before the movie started, people were coming here from the Midwest, from your state and other states, and. You know, had a few dollars and they just wanted to live out their lives here. And, yeah. And then, of course, the movies came and just made it crazy. They did. They yeah. just made it crazy. Uh, now, you were here pre-strike. Right. So the, what year, the strike started in 78 or 79? About March 20th, 79. Nine. Right. Wow. So you were here getting no money, performing. But no one thought they were getting no money. Right, because there was other stuff coming in, maybe or getting you, gigs. You were from getting it? to learn. Ah, you know they were buying into the college. Concept. I'm into the college concept of if what Mitzi, Mitzi says. For you know to to do what we did here, we probably would have paid her. And you know, <laughs> I agree. At the time of the strike, the main room pay schedule was the same as it is now. Split the door with her. Split that half with the comedians. And in our mind was work. Work hard and get, get in the main room, room spots. And there were a lot of people who complained that the main room spots weren't distributed fairly. 
Okay. And then, you know, the people who wanted to strike kept talking it up, and it eventually happened. None of us thought it would happen, and it happened. Wow. Like, you guys were just talking about, like, you know, one day we're going to strike, and then... I wasn't talking about it because <laughs> I worked here. Oh, okay. You know, so I had a job here, and what the strike people told me was, well, if you have a job, that's okay. And then when the strike happened, I was told, no, you don't go to work. And I said, really? I don't go to work. You, you want to pay my rent? Yeah. yeah that's you right. know, because if I didn't go to work, I didn't, I'd have no money. <laughs> you know, and, you know, you know I, I don't have to tell you about Mitzi's generous pay scale. I was getting $18 a night. <laughs> and guys who were here before me told me, you're lucky. We started at 15. Now, see, now <laughs> I'm disturbed because when I started working here in, in 2003, I was only getting 25 a night, so... I'm not going to tell you you were lucky because 2003 <laughs> is a lot later than Yeah, that's what I'm But I'm like, still $25 a shift. We only got a $7 raise over two decades, it sounds like. That's frightening. Yeah. It, and then I got fired and they started paying hourly like three months later. <laughs> and I was like, these motherfuckers. <laughs> Bastards. Yeah, it was, you know. Now they make a living. Oh, that's good. And, and and the place is run professionally. Right. Mainly, I think, because they have enough people doing it. Yes. You know, we used to do Saturdays here, two shows in the OR, two shows in the main room, or one in the main room, depending on the time we're talking about. And uh, one or two guys would work the main room, one or two guys would work the OR, and maybe one guy working the lot, and that was it. Yeah. yeah. So there wasn't. You know, how much could we do? <sighs> yeah. And it was packed. Right. And, and we tried. God, we tried. Tried to You know, tried to do as good as we could. How you many? Know, of course, there were guys here who would leave their post to go smoke pot in the back. Of course. To, you know, to kiss Sam's ass or whatever it was going to be. Whoever ass need to be kissed at that right. time. But, yeah, guys would just leave their post. And they really didn't care that much. Who was the aside from what would it be Jimmy Walker the big right. comic? Jimmy, your, when I got here, Jimmy Jimmy was, was the, the hot big man. Big deal. Yeah. Except when Richard was here. Oh yeah, of course. You know, and Richard Richard was incredible. Uh, he'd usually come here for an extended period of time. Yeah. When he was getting ready to do an HBO special or whatever, and the first night he'd go on, he might do three minutes. And that's that's it. it. Wow. Come back the next night, do five minutes. Come back the next <gasps> night and do eight minutes. And by the end of three months, he had a new hour and a half. No way. And it was like he was telling all the comedians who were watching him, you want to be great? I'll show you how to do it. You probably got to build it. But I'll show you. I'll yeah. show you. Here's a recipe that you won't be able <laughs> to follow. And, he, and but. he literally did. And Mooney and Jennifer would take notes and and, and the next day... There'd be another bit, and an existing bit would be amplified and made longer. That's he, amazing. He was incredible, you know, and, and he usually came early. If he was going on at 10, he often came like a quarter to nine, maybe even 8.30, and he'd walk up the steps, and you never knew which Richard you were getting because it all depended on his drug intake that right. day. So sometimes he'd just walk past you, and other times he'd stop and want to talk, and then there was sometimes he'd walk past you, put his head right next to your, your ear and go, Chinatown, which, which meant he wanted to go to Chinatown at 2 in the morning. <laughs> okay. He would take me and other people, 
and his bodyguards, and we'd go to this place downtown in Chinatown. It was either called the Golden Palace or the Golden Dragon. I don't remember. Oh, okay. But it was open they to They both like, sound familiar, which is <laughs> yeah, I, nothing to... <laughs> sorry. Both, both were open. Sorry for like, my racism. Open <laughs> till about four in the morning. Okay. After hours club. And we'd go in there. We were the only non-Asians there. You know, there would be old men playing dominoes and whatever other strange table games right. people play. They're playing outside now. <laughs> and we'd just eat and, and he'd pay the bill and, and we leave. He wow. was a very nice man. So you, would you guys like all, like, you know, talk shop basically? Like you were at Cantor's or something? Sometimes. Or? Or you just, know, we, we, everybody might say, oh, that bit you did tonight. Oh, yeah, right, right. Change it from yesterday. Yeah, so yeah, there would be technical talk. But, so cool. You know, there were some nights he'd just want a company. Yeah, just want to hang out. Because he was out of San Fran coming down, right? Don't remember. I, I just feel like I read that in a book, or that could have been Mooney. I don't know. Or you might have dreamt it. It's possible. <laughs> what What year did Johnny Zapp first start? Oh, wait a minute. That's here? weird. The guy responsible for Richard, I believe. According to Johnny, yeah. He was. You he, know who he's, he is, he's right? Kind of like Jack Nicholson in The Shining. He was always. <laughs> he was, <laughs> that was always around. <laughs> But sir, you've always been here. You've always I invented here. <laughs> yeah, John I mean we love Johnny Zapp, but he uh you know And you don't is... know what love is. <laughs> <laughs> Meaning it's uh, he's one of our characters here at the store that we like to BS about because he's so ridiculous <laughs> yeah. for the most part. But yeah, I he would always say he he wrote for this one. He wrote for that one. He started this. I was prior stage that. manager. Blah blah blah. And then one night we saw he was telling everyone about all the stuff he did for Richard Pryor and how much Richard loved him. And then someone, Paul Mooney, showed up. I can't remember if it was Freddie Lockhart or someone was like, "Hey, uh, Paul, do you, uh, do you get to work with Johnny Zapp a lot back when you guys were putting together those Pryor specials?" And he was like, "Who the hell is Johnny Zapp?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we said that guy right there, and then Mooney just went over and started writing him. You don't know Richard Pryor. You ain't never met Richard Pryor. Yes, I did. I worked backstage for him. You might have been help, but you didn't know Richard Pryor. <laughs> yeah, Mooney would read your riot act in a. It was hilarious. Heartbeat. One of my absolute favorite honest people here in this building. <laughs> One of my favorite in the whole world. I have a CD of his that sometimes I play at home. Same. Which one? Yeah, he's just—it's so ridiculous. His bits are so. I mean, watching him raw in the OR late at night, and oh, oh, look at the white people—they're they're having a meeting. Should we leave? Oh, <laughs> how long's he gonna go on? He used to do this thing where he he would tell you, he 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 would he would say, oh. oh Come on, you, you, oh, yeah, yeah. You, you know that woman. She's really black. And he wouldn't say her name. Right. He would make the audience yep. say the name. He'd just give hints. Oh, come on, you know that, 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 that bitch that sings K. Sarah, Sarah. <laughs> Doris Day? Doris Day's black? And, uh, and over the years, he used so many different names. It's so and great. It was so funny. Merle Oberon, he would use. <laughs> and and in, 1970, in 1980, nobody knew who Nor. I don't Merle have Oberon. any idea who that is. She was a big star for 20th Century Fox. That's amazing. Uh, she starred opposite Leslie Howard in The Scarlet Pimpernel. If oh, that wow. I, back for you. <laughs> and, you know, and he would use all these dinosaurs. Oh, black. dinosaur always, yeah. And I remember that one. Just it was it was always so funny to me because he he would hint, 
and then be incredulous that the audience didn't know till he gave enough hints that they said it. Said it, yeah. <laughs> but he always did that, like no matter what, because sometimes I'd be like, "Does he really not know?" Like uh, he yeah. knows what he's saying, but then the way he would get them to say it, I'd be like, "Oh shit!" A master. Nope. I always liked that bit so much. Mooney was here during the strike as well, correct? Yes, he so, was. So, like, who were the guys? Like, or comics i shouldn't say guys because there was girls involved too but of course you know what i mean guys is for girls and guys yeah, yeah. isn't it yeah i can mean anything i'm terrible i don't know everybody's together nowadays well if people are using the same tranny tranny girls yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at least i didn't say tranny this time i, I said so. hey guys to uh what turned out to be lesbians once when I worked here, <laughs> and they got very upset about it. Oh, oh we're guys now. I'm like, what? Yeah. And I didn't even think about. It. I'm just like, oh, you're. You I don't think be it offended. was the word. I think it was you. <laughs> yeah. It might, well, it might yeah. Have been well, it's my... not as bad as Aunt, uh, Dice saying, "Right, boys, <laughs> to two lesbians." No, no. That, that was the best. <laughs> Chicks. You dudes know what I'm talking about. That was what he <laughs> oh, said. that's what it is. And they got so mad. And Eleanor, of course, just played the part of the dumb woman for Dice's excitement. <laughs> and where were we? Go in get, New York we airport in, or something? We yeah, we were in uh, Newark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, all this PC bullshit. It's oh, the worst. yeah. I mean, I, you know, I'm out of this really for a long time. I, I can't believe it from what I hear. It's crazy. You know, the job of a good comedian is the same job as a good newspaper. Comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. I like that. Okay? And the fact that we have freedom of speech in this country as long as we don't offend anybody is a bunch of crap. Yeah. And what I believe is going to happen, you're going to see some kid come in here who is a really good comedian and is not politically correct yep. and they're going to become a giant star i hope so yeah that, i mean i think i already know his name but yeah okay. <laughs> no, i mean just because people complain on repeat about certain people and it's just like well i know what's going to happen here you can see it you're right they're just gonna yeah i mean prevail from it i i try and stay personally i try and stay as politically incorrect as possible just because i love seeing the offended millennials just from like saying words that you don't even have to make fun of someone. Yeah, like yeah, it's you funny just... that you say that the the offended millennials and and they're very easily offended, but outrage under culture the cloak of anonymity on social media they'll cuss out people they don't for know for sure because the internet makes uh, it's a all impersonal man out of a small man yeah for sure <laughs> yeah I mean it, it's it's gotten to the point where. It's it's at least twice a week everyone gets outraged about the most Something. insignificant, ridiculous bullshit. I don't even know if it's possible to offend or outrage me. I think I've, my, my soul has been ripped a, and my I mean, in full, skin is just you? layered. Yeah. Oh, your soul, your soul was wrapped in bacon and fried many years ago. <laughs> in fact, it was deep fried. <laughs> Yeah, you, you, you crunchy fact. cornbread batter. You can't fact. be here for more uh, more than two or three years before you will never yes. be able to get offended by anything other than people getting offended by everything. Yeah. I just don't understand how thin-skinned everyone has become. It's well, just yeah. too much. Is well, it? years ago, we had customers who were way worse than the comedians. You know, in a booth up there person defecated once on a Saturday night. 
Okay. Oh. That's worse than anything a comedian's ever done here. <laughs> True. On the, uh, like, just, during oh, wait. During the show. We were, oh, okay, but during the show, in the showroom? Yeah, oh, in the geez. booth. Oh, In uh, the booth? Yeah. The, the, the bucket the, chairs. That, oh. No, no, the booth. Oh, okay. Okay, and, you know, there was a, a foul odor emanating <laughs> Who had to area. clean it up? That's the best oh, part. because everybody said that wasn't their job. <laughs> okay, I knew I wasn't doing it. And then somebody else said they ain't doing it. So what happens in those situations? A Thai guy does it. Oh, yes. I know. Oh, yeah. I do. You know. <laughs> and was it Kirk? Or, no, probably no, a was, heart or Huck or not heart. Tony, you know, the dragon. had to do it. And then... Mr. Pete. And then I remember in uh, in Westwood once on a Saturday, there was a couple having sex during the show in the booth. Okay, that still goes on. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that yeah, hasn't still got changed. That. We still get that. Even and in the Me Too era, there's still people fucking. It's oh, the comedy store. Which I love. And we sometimes we'll just, you know, as the comic on stage, we'll do, let the audience know. And we'll all watch together as a group, so it works <laughs> out. Uh, yeah, we never stop anybody or shun no. anybody here. No, they might be offended. Well, yeah, we don't want to offend <laughs> you. get sued because you prevent them from having sex. Especially in that situation. You you're just a, a bigot and you don't want us to have sex because we're heterosexuals. <laughs> what? I don't no, we talked last night about the money, or I'm sorry, the other yeah. night, whatever it was, the money, how it's, and John Caponera said this as well, we're in the only business where the money goes down. down. And that's completely insane to me, but before the strike, you guys were getting paid in the main room, right. or that happened kind of... It happened a little bit. Oh, I don't know how long. I, I, I couldn't tell. No, when she opened the main room to those kind of shows. Which was in 78. Okay. 76? 70, I forget which one. No, it was a little after that. When she started using the main room, there were special shows. Yes. The Smothers Brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, she wanted Rickles but couldn't get. She you wanted know, Buddy so Hackett. Those kind but, of shows. Yeah. And then... I imagine Argus told her, just put... What? Mitz, we got to do a show of all the, the young pups <laughs> coming up here. Well, that's that, and that's <laughs> what happened. And exactly how long before the strike that happened, I cannot tell you. Oh, okay. So I told you the truth. It's the truth. Thank you. Didn't, you. Yeah, you didn't I just lie to didn't us. didn't make crap up and swear to it. I, I don't remember how long. Right. And, and so, yeah, so those guys... Split the door with her and themselves, and and then in the original room they were getting nothing until after the strike. I'll tell you something because you you, you were telling it. me I the, think the MCs got paid back then, maybe the eighteen dollars a night or something. I don't know what they got, but the MC got paid because he had to stick around. Right, be, the show would start at eight or nine and go till between one and two and there'd be two MCs one one till ten and one after ten and were you like able to like if you were just a comic on the show I mean I know you work the door a lot but if you were just a comic on the show you could bounce around and do other shows were there things like that here or this was the only game in town right I mean Bersky told us about a few random spots but they weren't like oh yeah well he was just saying like it'd be you know shows that had folk music and you go down to the troubadour and do right, comedy like I don't that. know anything about yeah. <laughs> the ice house you know, was a folk you stayed club. in what your I was lane. telling you is when you know when this place was going and she also had the comedy store at Universal right then you could what year was that see so many different weird things in yeah, here I always 80s. Forget. 80s 80s okay you would go 
you know, you'd come here get if you had an early spot, and uh, the manager would always say, do you want to go to Universal? Because people would cancel there all the time. Right. So you'd run over there, and so you did your spot here, then you went over there and did another spot. So instead of making $25 on a Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, you made 50 On a Friday, you made 70 and on a Saturday, you made 100 So... You could kind of convince yourself you were making a living. Right. Right. Wow. It's, but see, that's good money versus... Yeah. Even I mean, what we... Then, just to be able to go to multiple comedy stores in a night would right. be pretty awesome. I mean, I guess you can do multiple shows here, but... but she had Westwood, and but Westwood... Westwood was open, guys didn't want to go there either. That's so weird. Yeah. And uh, and is that just because they live locally? Oh, yes, that we got a few different uh, people that told us. 84. Yeah. The year of the Olympics, because of the Olympics, the landlord wanted to triple the rent, and she said, Ugats. <sighs> you no. get Ugats. So were you a picketer? or? No, I came to work. You came to work. That was my work. job. And where, yeah, because you were like a door guy. So how did. A salaried employee. <laughs> yeah, how did you, did people get mad at you for that? Yeah, I lost <gasps> friends. Oh, Jesus. And it was, some people who kind of stayed my friends, it was never the same again. But as I said, none of them volunteered to pay the rent, so I went. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I don't know what's, I think about it a lot, and I remember, like, helping Mitzi, she wanted to write a book, and I was like, why would you pick me? I could barely write. But anyway, uh, so I was helping her, but she said it was a table book, and I was like, oh, this is great. So it was, like, Vegas, pictures from Vegas and stuff. And um, then she started, like, telling me about the strike, and, like, she has all these recordings on meetings that they were having during the strike so i was like wow this is crazy stuff but i always i often think i don't know what side i'd be on because i see what you're saying where we would pay her if we had to perform as a an actress when i moved here if you did a play you had to pay to do you had me and jason hart's member i don't know if you ever came to that but we did that i watched you wrestle what do you want thank you you're right harris one thing at a time important stuff important stuff i don't want (laughs) well there's like i can't can't even think what it's called it's like some guys every time we put on a play there's a a place that runs an open mic where you have to oh marty he just closed last night oh okay he's done yeah you had to pay five dollars to do like they do that at the haha ha too. They charge you five dollars to do five minutes, and guess what? There's a line around the corner. People paying. Just the to do most it. delusionally awful comedians. But, I, but I it went helps. there one time when I first started out here, and it's just like you got to do every club, every spot counts. And then I went and I waited in line. I don't remember having to pay, but it was me and a bunch of really delusional, crazy people, and I just remember doing it and then being like no i was wrong every spot is not worth it because <laughs> it was terrible like but it you, was, i went up in front of like 20 other comics it, it, no exactly. audience but you could work out your material yeah. there and then just whatever but there's a great book about comedy that came out in the early 70s called the last laugh the last and in laugh. it they talk about this comedian who used to work here named Maureen Murphy, but at that time her name was Daphne Davis. And it, I love when they changed their name. Yeah, of course, because, yeah. And, but Maureen's uh, picture is on the wall. Yeah. And so anyhow, uh, she in New York, she would run, she'd do seven shows a night for, yeah. for, for free. And uh, 
Ed Bluestone is telling this story, and he says it's like she thought God was keeping score, and when she hit a certain number, she would be successful. Sure. And it's not like that. No, 10,000 hours is bullshit. I'm just well, kidding. in this, I Because I've done 40,000 hours and nothing. You know, some, some people, the light bulb just goes on. You know, Mike Binder tells a great story about Ollie Joe Prater getting funny in one night. How did that, what, what does that mean? You know, he used to go on, and then one night he's at Westwood, and he decides to put on a cowboy hat and call himself Ollie Joe Prater. Oh. And it just worked. I for see what whatever you're reason, it worked, and you don't know when these things are going to happen. When you find, or if they're going to happen, yeah, yeah, yeah. When you find your stride, you mean like, mm-hmm. or what works for you? Yeah, yes. that's like dice finding the dice character. Right. He experimented. He didn't with do that when he, yes. Yeah, uh, Larry the Cable Guy's the same way. Yeah, he Dan was basically Whitney. nobody, and then. He realized people. He's Ernest the later years. And Tim Allen. For or Jim Varney. Time. Right. Yes. I mean, here's a guy who took, I don't know, a 10 minute bit of his act and got lifetime security from it. And the, the first comedian to do that was Gabe Kaplan. Because yes. uh, Welcome Back Cotter was a bit that he used to do. That's and, amazing. And so now it's kind of like standard operating procedure for a comic to try to find a bit to make a show. Defines Or them, your yeah. whole set. Like, I remember when Freddie Soto got his, it was all about, because he talked about his family. So it was like, oh, let's yeah. make the show family about show, your yeah. family and blah, 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 you know, and follow that. Because you seem to have a forte for that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> but that, they did a, that with a lot of comics. What's his name? Ray Romano. Yeah. That wasn't a bit. That was, you know, he just used to talk about his family and all the nonsense. And Well, then they still, like, when I was. They don't do I, that no more. Yeah. When I used to do only crowd work and I was convinced, like, this is going to be my path. <laughs> and then anytime I met with anybody, they'd always go, well, you. You don't have any bits. What would they make the TV show about? And I'd be like, you can make about anything. And they'd be like, but you need a bit, though, to, so we know how what we to, sell you. to sell you. Yeah, exactly. How do we sell you? Yeah. I was like, we, oh. You okay. have to, that's a whole other thing. Marketing. Marketing. What are we going to do with you? I don't know. The kid's funny, but, well, that's what they said about Robin. Okay, Robin. Robin would, Williams. Robin would showcase for gigantic people. Yeah. And they'd come out and, and they'd be shaking their head. God's he funny, but what do we do with him? Yeah. And one night Rollades and Jiffy saw him and the rest is history. Rollades and Jiffy was oh, Rollins and Joppa. Oh, Rollins, oh, oh. Uh, I was John like, Witherspoon what? used to call him Rollades and Jiffy. <laughs> he I mean, Robin Williams told me to keep doing what I do. He watched me one night and I'm like, all right. And now I'm starting to think, I think he was fucking with me. No. I think no, his intention. No, but I just think, like, like what Harris is saying, you don't know. Yeah, his thing was, look, you can try and be gonna like. When it's going to hit or who's going to help you yeah. hit with it. He said you can try and be like every comic in the world and get little bit parts on stuff and people will never know what your name is. Or you can try and be yourself and see if people like it or not. And I'm like, all right. That seemed like a better option to me. I mean, it does. Yeah. I'd much rather. I don't want to be some guy who just gets, you know, two parts a decade on something. And All right, I might take that, actually. <laughs> At this point, I mean. That's right. It's, it's, it's 2018, so, so you hard. do it for your second one this decade. <laughs> I'm like, I got to do something. Yeah, right? I go from wrestling. Well, I, I do have... Um, I do commentary for the wrestlers now, so we're on oh, Ax- for the new one. Mm-hmm. So good. we're on Access TV. It comes out in January. I'm glad to hear that. It's very exciting. Oh, sweet. So I talk oh, a lot man. of trash. I, I had a friend in New York who couldn't believe that I knew you. <laughs> 
You know her? That's hilarious. You know her? <laughs> know her? I watched her wrestle in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you, you watch her in the ring, you ain't even seeing half of what she could do. <laughs> right? Let me tell you something. You should watch her handle you, a Did you come to the customer. forum or did you just watch it on TV? I watched it on TV. I, okay, I remember when everyone went to the forum, I, did, I just didn't want to be in the same place with them. <laughs> Yeah, because I used to give tickets out, and I'd be like, because it was at the forum. We had to fill That's the sweet, forum, yeah. and nobody was. So I was like, yeah, yeah, here, yes, yeah, everybody come. Like, I, and I, I was you giving, and I went to see WCW yes. at, the, at the Staples Center. And we met Sergeant Slaughter. It was very exciting. And there was somebody else. I was excited when I met him here, and Roddy brought him. Yeah. Because that's the other thing about Harris. He has this crazy, interesting second life also where he's a, a, a hockey player. I was. I was. We don't Stop. need to talk about you, we, we always talk about how you were like a, a goalie. Like an equipment manager or something? Play. Backup goalie for the freaking well, practice, uh, practice, practice goalie. goalie. I'm sorry. Practice, not backup. And You're I right. I with the equipment. I just came from my former king boss's house right now. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. Because yeah, I met a lot of them here. I think it was Gretzky and... Nick uh, Sorley King. Yes. And uh, then Harris, my nephew, Sean, who's now a professor and teaches nursing in Ohio. Uh, unbelievable. Uh, he has uh, he was obsessed with hockey. And Harris got him a whole bunch of autographed sticks and stuff from the Kings. And he still has them. Very excited about them. It doesn't matter if he has them or he not. He does, but he remembers. <laughs> He's said like, he That's wanted that them. Guy, we got know? them for you. <laughs> it, it, it's years later. It's not going to matter anymore. <laughs> I, I was I lived in Manhattan Beach the first four years I lived oh, out here. A lot here. of them lived there. And uh, I went to go. I didn't have laundry in my building, so we had to go to a laundry mat. And I went, me and Sheezer, and uh, went to go do our laundry. And <laughs> we pulled into the parking lot, and Warlock was just standing in the parking lot <laughs> smoking a cigarette. Wow, you and, just uh, you just blew Harris away I'm for like, a second. Like, Is that Warlock? <laughs> and then she's like, "Yeah." And I get out, like, "What are you doing?" He was like, "Oh, they, they have the." Stanley Cup here. Me and Harris came down, and I'm like, "Oh, okay." And I talked to Warlock for a little bit, smelled the war breath, and then there uh, you go. Did my laundry. That's how it goes. A- any idea of a Warlock on him? Yeah, he's online here and he there. He lives in Cleveland? Buffalo. Or? I, think, I think he was. I from, was he Cleveland. was in Cleveland for a while, but did I think he, he moved to. Last I heard, he was somewhere in upstate New York. Gee, I, I've been in Buffalo three times in the last seven years. I wish I'd have known. Oh, I would have told Jimmy Pitt you were coming. Who? <laughs> 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 That's the right answer. Indeed. He was another door guy here. That's so funny. Harris and I, we're, we're there like best friends for sure. Uh, I don't think you're best friends, Jimmy. He doesn't even Jimmy know Jimmy would tell are. everyone at the comedy club in Buffalo about how he was such good friends with everyone from the comedy store. Good for him. And, uh, <laughs> and then he'd go hang out backstage and then he'd leave and then Don Marrero would go to the manager and be like, who the fuck was that guy? <laughs> he said he was your friend. <laughs> <laughs> he would get on everybody's show because he would tell him, yeah, I know him from the comedy store. <laughs> and Pid was great. I mean, we we got him on the show when I was there with Ren Azizi, and he didn't even show up for the first night. We're like, we got you on the show, and you didn't? Oh, I was having trouble with the lady. <laughs> I was like, oh, all right. What are you going to do? That's amazing. Do you miss living here at all? No. Or this business, right? I mean, could you still do it? I, I watched you yeah, perform in Vegas, you killed. Years, uh, a couple of weeks a year in Vegas. Nah, I don't miss it because it's a young person's business. Okay? The Why audience, do you look at me when you say that? Like, I'm, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not supposed to be here. I get it. Okay. That's not what I'm saying. No, I hear you. 
the audience is young. Yeah. And they want to see young people, and the only older people they want to see is people they've heard of. They're famous, yeah. Right. And that's just how it is. I mean, I think this is a, a really funny business in that when you start, you're younger than the audience. And then one day, you're the same age as the audience. And that lasts for a while. And then one day, you're older than the audience. <sighs> and you're always going to be older than the audience. One of the good things about working in Las Vegas is it is an older crowd. Yes. So, you know, so you're you not, can play more. You know, it's not like if I was to try to go on here, I, I, I wouldn't, you know? Yeah. It was weird watching. Who's the guy who didn't come back after the strike? Oh, Dreesen. They Dreesen. put Dreesen up. They put Dreesen up like a couple months ago. And he was doing bits that had to be 30 years old. And I'm looking at the crowd because I went 40, up two after him. 40. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> and it, how long did he do? He did like 15 minutes. And I would say two or three minutes of it was fine. And then a lot of it was just literally like 25-year-olds like looking at each other like, what the fuck is Grandpa you know, talking about? When I first got here, he was a, a excellent workman-like comedian. Yeah. And, and you know... Hardworking. He, he could occupy the stage for the 15 or 20 minutes that we would have him here. And then, like I say, you know, you get older and, you know, audience don't want to see you. Your humor is different, yeah. You know? Yeah. And it, you, you do, I, I remember. If you don't change with the times, it doesn't. Yeah. That's another thing. Because it's like Dom Herrera goes up and kills in the OR. And, and he's he changes one with the, the time. people want to see. Yeah. Because he's funny. They they might know who he is, but they know he's funny. And yeah. he proves it immediately. And he's always working. He's not doing exactly. old bits. Yeah. Like I saw Altman maybe five years ago, and who he's doing the same bit. Used to and kill. It, yeah. And I, I mean, he did fine, but I just yeah. remember being like, he's doing the same bit. Yeah. Well, a lot of guys get 20 or 30 or whatever it is, minutes at work, and then they don't work they just anymore. They roll it, yeah. You know, you get older, it's terrifying to try a new joke. Yeah. It's scary. Yeah, you get Come used on, to doing you know, well. This crap works, I'm going to do it. Yeah. You know, not everybody works as hard as Leno and the other people who are constantly, right. you know. Does Letterman still do stand-up? No. No. Leno so. stayed with it, but Letterman never did. I don't, I don't think know. so. David never had more than 25 minutes of material. That's never. amazing. Never. And... It was just it was just what it was, you know. I remember going to uh, Reno. He okay. Opened, him and Lola Falana split the bill. <laughs> That's amazing. And yeah, he would just go and do this stuff from here, and 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 get off. In fact, a stranger than that, he would. It was two shows a night. He'd go do the first show, take off his performing clothes, and go up to his room and stay there until just before he had to do the second show. And so I'm backstage with him, and there's a bowl of pretzels and a bowl of potato chips. He goes, watch this. And he mixes <laughs> up the potato chips. And when we came back, they were completely straightened out. <laughs> and he, he thought that was the most interesting thing in the world, that someone was paid to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and he was genuinely funny. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he his, was real silly. I, his, silly is what people said, yeah. His stuff was off the board. Mm -hmm. and, you know, he always made me laugh. Uh, you know, he used to do this bit. Uh, I have since told this to my auto mechanic. Uh, oh, ever notice when uh, ever you bring your car in to be fixed, they uh, always ask you for a phone number just in case. 
And then <laughs> invariably at three in the afternoon, you get a phone call. <clears throat> uh, Mr. Letterman, uh, this is Carl down at the garage. We was uh, resetting the buttons on your radio, and your damn engine exploded. <laughs> Killed a couple of our boys. Going to run a little extra. <laughs> Killed a couple of our boys. And That's a great... He did a joke about uh, bird having an electric bird bath, and all the, the, the birds keep getting electrocuted and dying. And he goes, if they'd merely... Slip on the little yellow safety booties. I <laughs> you know, so that, that you know, I, I guess he was snarky before the word existed. Yeah, and he created a. No, I'm just you know, and he was Letterman's one of my favorites, and he was also signed by Rolades and Jiffies. Really, <laughs> yes. Rolades and Jiffies. I like, and these people were uh, managers, producers. Yeah. Woody Allen's manager, Billy Crystal's manager. Oh, Robin, okay. David's. I'm thinking Shapiro. Jimmy Brogan. Oh, Jimmy Brogan. Yeah, I got to get Jimmy on because he would have some cool stories, too. I love him. I would imagine he'd have a million stories. He's a great guy. I like Jimmy uh, Brogan. How did you get uh, Ren and Stimpy? Oh, yeah. Ren and Stimpy I got from, okay, one weekend I'm working for our esteemed donor, Mitzi Shore in La Jolla. And I got back, and there was 16 messages on my machine from this little Good squirrely fellow who used to work here named Andrew J. Letterer. Okay. Okay. Uh, kind of looked like he needed to be vacuumed. <laughs> and there were 16 messages saying, call me, call me. I got a friend doing cartoons. You're perfect. Call me. So I call him because I'm a gentleman and return There you go. Turn your call. And so he tells me his, this friend of his has created a cartoon and he needs voices and he wants people who've never done them before, who have no good voices. Yeah. And right, and haven't been spoiled already, right. tainted by the industry. <laughs> so we went in the dressing room in the main room with a cassette recorder. And Andy had some uh, cartoon scripts. And he goes, you know, do something with them. Okay. And I just did what I thought I should do. And the guy who created Ren and Stempy, John Chris Felusi, called me and said, come on in, and I, I, I want to meet you. And I started, I, I did Muddy Mud Skipper that day. That's amazing. Yeah, it's the best job I ever had. You go in a room like this, mumble some nonsense. Uh, I, used to, I used to bring a big Diet Coke and smoke cigarettes in there. <laughs> and it, it, was, it was great. You know, and, you know, you got paid good money. You know, and one time, if you do two characters, mm -hmm. okay, you get paid the same. If you do a third character, you get a bump. So oh, you make more money, and not just cocaine. I'd like money. Right. Okay, I, I, again, you got thunder bumps. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I Argus. Don't understand these drug references from you, young people? <laughs> God, your parents did such a shit job with you. So anyhow, one time I did. They always tried to make sure you did two voices, so they get their money's worth out of you. Of course. And so one time I'd done the two voices, and they said, "Can you burp?" So I reeled off like seven burps. They said, perfect, and I got the bump. <gasps> That's sweet. Wow. And then, and then, of course, you got the residuals from that. And I, I used to do a bit on stage where I would tell the people, do you know what residuals are? You know, and some would say yes, some would say I said, you know, if they reuse what you did, they have to pay you again. Yes. I, 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 I tell you what. Let me explain it to you. <laughs> Let's say you work in a warehouse and you stack boxes in the corner and you stack them properly yeah 
Five years later, someone else moves those boxes, but they have to pay you again. Those are residual. <laughs> That's amazing. And, and I think they're the greatest invention in the history of the world. Absolutely. You know, and then what happens is like, okay, the residuals start getting real low. Oh, yeah. You know? I've gotten a dollar. Right. And I got a penny. Did you? Yeah. And, <laughs> I've gotten 12 cents, like stupid. I'm like, why waste the paper? Did you cash it? Well, I think they're in a box somewhere. Okay. So anyhow. <laughs> I should have, Your though. residuals start going down because, okay, it's been on cable it's been on VHS tape, but then they come up with CDs. And they or Netflix. P- and they got to pay you again. Mm-hmm. And it begins all over again. In the beginning. <laughs> yeah, because they just did it to friends again where they spent all that money to have them on Netflix. So all those yeah. people. Yeah, so I got to do uh, Ren and Stimpy for it was a little more than three years. And, it's you know, a terrific gig too. You know, and so I loved it, was it. when I was growing do. up. It was my favorite. You know, I got an email a month and a half ago from a guy who I don't know how he found me. Uh, people my, just know how to find people. It's me and frightening. My father loved Ren and Stimpy. It's his birthday. Could you, uh, you know, make a recording and send it to me uh, and do it as Muddy Mud Skipper and call him a lousy bum? <sighs> so I did it. I got off a stage in Phoenix. My, my foot had just gotten off the stage. A guy grabbed my arm and asked me to sign these pictures. The people who like it tend to like love it. Love it. Yeah. yeah. So, well, like Rick, you grew up it. on yeah. it. I, I don't. I, 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 I only it. watched it because of you. It wasn't like I knew. I was like, oh, this hair is the thing. I just want to hear you it. Know. Yeah, I was. I was really into it. I remember me and my friends would watch it every week. It you was know, great. It was fun to do. It's, it's, it's the best job I ever had in this business. Is it still on? Like, I don't know if it's Because a lot of times they just it, run them. If it's them. on, I don't know what it's on. Yeah. Right, right. I haven't seen it on anything in, in recent years, but... How does the voice sound, Muddy Mudskipper? Muddy Mudskipper is one of the many voices I did. <laughs> <laughs> and in the... Because you do have a terrific voice. The pilot episode, uh, the Muddy Mudskipper show was Stimpy's favorite show. And Stimpy had a chance to be on the show. And Stimpy's <gasps> a big hit. And eventually Muddy Mudskipper says to him, you stick with me, kid, and one day you're going to be big, even bigger than me, you lousy <laughs> bum. <laughs> and, and that was that was his catchphrase, you lousy bum. So people always want me to say that. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, that's right. I, I really it. don't mind. Oh, that's why you were saying we should call this the lousy bum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, sure. so, and I, I really don't mind calling strangers a lousy bum. There you so. go. It's an exciting <laughs> you word. Know. Yeah, I'm not getting paid for it anymore, but it's okay. <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes you got to just do it for show business. Yeah, the show must go on. Uh, the most connected I ever felt to Harris was early when he said he just didn't want to go to the forum with all those people. Oh, that's amazing. I was like, yeah. Like that's... last night I was here for the Christmas party, oh, and I made yeah. it about, I made it maybe 10 to 15 minutes. I thought you said you weren't going to go. I wasn't, and then I, I even like got up. I didn't get here until 11, 11, 15, yeah, but then the problem the, uh, is... I didn't get home till six in the morning. Yeah, that's the problem. A thousand years ago, when we once had, they have you had the Christmas parties you. here, it was always interesting to see what gift Mitzi was giving out. Oh yeah, yeah, that she was gave my out favorite. Gym bags one year. I have she a few out, of those. She yeah. has suit bags. Oh, that's garment, a good one. Yeah, carriers. that's old I, school. I take those to Vegas. That to Vegas with me when I go. She gave out 
red terry cloth bathrobes one year Ooh. with the comedy store emblem embroidered on the back of it that's well, that's real and, nice and for louis anderson she <laughs> took two of them and sewed them together <laughs> that's so beautiful my you know, heart be still she, she didn't want him to get left out <laughs> and one year she gave us In like the these cold. these upholstered footballs and basketballs. Oh, that's cool. And she gave out satin comedy store jackets one year. I've seen those. I remember uh, that those are cool. Some people say, like Carl Edwards. Yeah, Johnny Zapp shows up. But Carl Edwards had his on when he was here a couple months ago. It was like Carl is here? Yeah. Is he still working at the formal place? I don't know. Last I heard he was in tuxedo and, you know, prom rentals or something. Maybe. I don't know. He's somewhere... I want to say Kentucky. I forget. Yeah, we, that's where I yeah, 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 something like that. So it was good. But Carl's Philadelphia boy. So, and then he wrote something on my brother Tommy's page, and he's like, "Who's Carl?" I'm like, "Who's Carl?" I don't know. And then I was like, "Oh my God, Carl Edwards, the best." Uh, what was that impression he did? Ruth. Uh, Ruth Gordon. Ruth Gordon. Right, and of course, no one. No knew one knows. Who he's doing. Even when he was doing it, when I got here, but I knew her because I liked Howard and Maude. Harold and Maude. Howard and Maude. You know what I meant. <laughs> Howard. What did I say? Howard? Howard, Howard and Maude. I, I thought My maybe brain Howard Stern dead. did a movie with him. How- <laughs> <laughs> Harold and Maude was like a great love story. Yeah, yeah I'm familiar Be- with Harold and Maude. I, he- I literally had that. I don't know what Howard and Maude is. But My fault. I'm My fault. Maybe it's half of Melvin and Howard. <laughs> you know what it is? Harold and Maude. I was it's up till a six. A lot of editing. <laughs> what were you doing till six? I, I, it's, listen, it's nobody's business. I was here business. when the party started because <laughs> I had a set last night. I was night, here when it ended. And people started hugging. Like people that saw each other two nights before and i'm like these people are too fucking jolly i'm getting the fuck out of here i really have no idea and there was uh, i remember like you were here till six mm -hmm, o'neill or 5 30 and then i had o'neill and little that i had to take home wow so that's a caravan john little and ryan o'neill that's a tough uh that's a fun group comes here now (laughs) the great ryan o'neill wow no, <laughs> can you imagine? Loved him in Barry Lyndon. Still drinking, and uh, no, because O'Neill was drinking, and then they started. I don't know. You guys it was just, hanging out in the parking lot. We were in the back bar. We were. No, we were, oh, the club was uh, actually. We did open. karaoke until uh, three. We were the last one song at three in the morning. <laughs> O'Neill was like, "Dealer's choice, you pick." And I'm like, that's hilarious. And then they picked Sweet Caroline. I was like, oh, God. A crowd favorite. Anyway, so Carl. Recently, Neil Diamond has said that that song is about Caroline Kennedy. Yes. In what way? Uh, it, yeah, I don't know. So good. So good. I'm, now I'm thinking of it because I just sang it what, yesterday. What about that song is reminiscent of, of Caroline? Uh, the, of the Kennedy daughter. Yeah, from what I understand, it was just like he was inspired by seeing her at her dad's funeral or something and it was just like wrote the song but if you listen to lyrics because i thought a similar thing where i'm like i don't quite understand don't what this it. connection is but you know but you him, know, he can say anything he wants cocaine is a hell of diamond. a drug that's true cocaine is a hell of a drug uh my favorite back to the mitzi presents okay. my favorite mitzi present that i ever got was uh we were the store was not doing well and she was like, well, I got to give the waitresses something. Because she still always felt like I have to give. So she gave us jewelry, her costume jewelry. And we would we were allowed to pick through like a, a big box of it. And it was some of the worst jewelry I'd ever seen in my life. But I still have it. I'll tell you a great one. <laughs> one year for Christmas, sh- she gave me a ring. Mm-hmm. A silver ring with a black oblong stone like that. I don't wear rings. Right. 
And back then, every comedian, and I, I guess in an ass-kissing gesture, would give her a Christmas gift. Sure. And why do you get somebody like Mitzi? Nobody knows. So in her office was a New York subway strap hanger on a wooden <sighs> plaque. And I go, wow, who, 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 who gave you that? Oh, Tony Lawrence gave it to me. I said, that's great. She goes, what do I want with it? I'm, you know, you can have Milwaukee. it. She goes, you want it? I says, yeah. And she goes, give me back the ring. Please. <laughs> Harris, <laughs> I can't. What? Indian giver. Did give you give her? Yeah, of course I did. <laughs> I didn't want it anyway. <laughs> my my favorite was. You're right. What do you buy, Mitzi? What right. Do you buy Mitzi? So Oshak was home uh, in his, you know, part of the world he comes from, and he bought Mitzi a cute little like a snow globe or something with Elvis in it. Sure. And uh, something like that. And he thought she'd like it. You know, a little. And he, oh, thanks, Bob. Bob walked out because this was when he was the runner. Mike Becker walks in. She goes, oh, here, Mike. A guy. He's so <laughs> Bob's like, I'm at. I'm right here. I'm right. Regifted immediately. <laughs> right here, Genius plan. She always gave it right away. Smart. <laughs> but I was. I started getting her like music because she liked that. Like if you get her cassette tape, she loved that stuff. If you got her. I don't know, a little... She bought me a robe one time. There was no belt. And I was like, did she... I wonder if this was hers. Or, I still have it. Or was it her she maids? Kn- that she, she knows you walk around with the <laughs> robe open. Everyone is aware. So I'm an open robe kind you're, of... You're an open robe girl. She also was like... Because uh, at that time, Dave was the manager. Big Dave... Um, I forgot his last name. Schuler or something like that. Remember, he was a big hairy man. Red-haired guy. Yeah, he was a bear. He was a gay guy that was yeah, like a bear. Yeah, yeah. And um, <laughs> they come, they go. Yes, they. There were so many. I mean, it, I, we have how many managers? You think we manager de jour? Thousands, right? More co- uh, more managers than comics. I think I've met. And so this guy was there for a second, and he said that Mitzi was like, uh, "Give this to Flo." And he's like, who is Flo? And that was me. And I was like, oh, my God, is she saying I'm old or I look like shit? I don't know what. But she just, she liked me as a waitress. And in her head, she put me as Flo. Flo the waitress yeah, from the diner. Yeah, there you go. So that was it. Yeah. You know, everybody's got to be who they got to be for Mitzi. <laughs> Until we got close. And then it was, you know, better. She knew your name. Yeah. That's she, great. I think she knew it. No, I'm kidding. Oh, Eleanor. She, I could hear her saying it. Corey, she always loved yelling Corey's name. That was a good one. But yeah, she she was great. I mean, she had some crazy shit. We've been through crazy shit, but it was a lot of fun. I mean, your experiences here, great, right? Some great. Good or bad? I don't know. It's hard to quantify them. <laughs> they, they, they are what they were. Exactly. You know, and I'm not the kind of person that wants to dwell, you know, Hats off to the past, coats off to the future. You know, there you go. I still want to think there's plenty of good times for me left. Absolutely. And I, I don't want them to be like, you know, they were when I was 24. I don't need that anymore. Mm-mm. But, you know, it was just, it wasn't a bad place to attempt to grow up. Right. I feel like I spent my adult life here. I mean, I have. I got here when I was 21. and Same. It was uh, it was interesting to find a place where the, everyone was older than me, but the same lack of maturity amongst <sighs> most of the people. 
Well, like wow. I felt like I fit in because I was bizarre and everyone was pretty bizarre. Well, sure, this is the land of misfit toys. Yeah, that's for sure. A lot of broken kids here. <sighs> uh, but, you know, a lot of people would say, oh, comedy store, oh, it's like an animal house, a big frat house. No. The, the level here has not ascended to the college level. <laughs> <laughs> this is a junior high yeah, or high school. If you're lucky, high school. Yeah. You know? He gave it junior high. <laughs> I like that. I mean, it's it was a one-stop lunacy place. You know, with the Me Too movement, and I see what these women want from these guys. When I hear that, I just think, well, every woman who ever worked at the comedy store, for starters, should get a million dollars. Yeah. We'll <laughs> yeah. go from there. Yeah, yeah. You know? But... They didn't sue. The only suit I remember is the, the waitress who sued Robin Williams for giving her herpes. Oh wow, we had a huge herpes epidemic here. I didn't oh, know. I didn't uh, know you could sue for that. Oh yeah, we had a herpes vending machine. <laughs> God here. damn it! Yeah, there was a minute. Se- Seventy-five cents for herpes. Yeah, it was so anyhow, overpriced. She sued him, and it was in the tabloids, and he paid her. And yeah, but she was a waitress here. Wow. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, I was. Is that not, where Jim Carrey got it from? That lawsuit against him this maybe, last year. Yeah. <laughs> that, that girl who killed herself's family. Yeah. Sued maybe. him and said, "Well, he he gave her herpes, and she could never find another man, and that's why she killed herself." That's she crazy. She could find another man with herpes. <laughs> True. There's the, lots the, of them. The Tommy Morris plan. We Wait both have herpes. <laughs> if A equal B and B equal C, A must also equal C. And you know, I, like I said that. about, well, Andrea and I could be together. <laughs> Jesus, man. <laughs> and what does that guy do now? He uh, Last I heard, he was running an open mic. Mm-hmm. Um, he critiques comics. He helps them. He's now the talent coordinator of a open mic one night a week and yells at people about uh, how he made big stars and how the comedy store doesn't get it. Uh, and I got Adam over there, and Adam's a douche! <laughs> Every five minutes, he says Adam's a douche, just gets, which is our favorite thing to just keep repeating. But he he, disappe- he left town for a while, and then eventually he rolled back because I don't think he. Yeah, I think he's here again. He is, and I mean, you know what? I wish him well. He just he was a little nutty. God love him. So this is the place for him. <laughs> yeah, we definitely attract some. We had some uh, crazy characters come through. But it was interesting with Danny, uh, the sound guy was saying the other night, Danny Lucas, that the characters are gone. Like, we don't have those cool, fun... They're here. They're just not what it's about anymore. As present anymore. anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's like robots. They just come, do their job, leave. You know, it's like, we're here. It's a business. It's a well-oiled machine, and we're just running, and we're just... So it's no more like you like you wouldn't come up and see Harris Pete and you know he Holtzman was yelling at him for ripping his tickets. Remember how he'd rip the tip of the ticket to know yeah. he brought the person in. It was his method, and Holtzman was like, "The whole lobby was a mess." Then I would clean it up at the end of the <laughs> night. <laughs> but Holtzman has OCD. And Mitzi never minded seeing that because no. it was proof of the success so of working. the establishment. Exactly, it was work. You were working, and so that you was know. your method. But you you would come up and be greeted by this great character who had some you know yeah. bathrooms to the right the left, you know like it was my favorite walk through the showroom with a yeah, cigar all the seat the room they've made here you know it's I, still I don't think they've straightened out the bathroom situation you shouldn't be able to walk around the whole club to go to the bathroom 
Yeah. What's wrong? And I've always felt that at the Comedy Store, we did not, just like Mr. Obama, we did not control our borders. That's right. And That's right. It always <sighs> hurt me that, that we had to do extra work because the club was laid out wrong. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, they did. Did you see the new bathrooms, which yes. freak me out? But, I, but I don't it, go in you know, there. Okay. I used to like the regular stool where, you know, stall. I can't speak today. The regular stall where, you know, the comics would be peeking in the window watching. Beautiful well, that's time. not normal. Dirty, <laughs> filthy bastards. <laughs> you know, and then when I would see them doing Wheels, that, I can see you. That's what I, I would do. I, yeah, I was just looking for material. <laughs> when I would see them doing that or hear that people actually did it, I would think, I don't care, you know, if it's Marilyn Monroe. I don't want to watch her go to the bathroom. Sickening. You know, they, 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 there's nothing sexy in that. You know, <laughs> call me sick. Yeah. You are sick compared to these sickos. <laughs> I guess. You're just, you know, you're too elegant for this place. That's what it is. <laughs> elegant Harris Pete. It's, yeah, it's the old uh, uh, Twilight Zone theory where everyone has the pig nose, so the one without must be ugly. <gasps> yeah. Oh, I like that. It's like, well, Harris isn't into watching uh, women take dumps, He's so the there's only clearly one. something wrong with him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I used to hate going into that one because I, t- I hear them, watch, yeah. and I'm like, what? Really? God. And then I have to go in the main room. But now we have that other one up the ramp, but there's still, even though there's extra bathrooms, it's still cl- clustered, messed up. Uh, it's, it makes me uncomfortable now every time I come that they carpeted the hallway. Oh yeah, you, and, and I get it now because the bathrooms are around the corner. But to me, that hallway is just always Flooded. overflowing with piss. Yeah. So it's like, why would you put carpet in here? Wow. I don't understand. So now we're gonna have black mold the, to go with the black. You won't as long notice. as it's black, you won't notice. You won't It'll care. <laughs> Y'all make sure the mold's black. <laughs> well, the place doesn't smell like mold anymore. I mean, it used yeah. to smell horrible. It You're used right. To rain and Ugh. then it would get in the walls into the yeah. plasterboard. And it would stink. It stink for weeks until the summer finally dried it out, or a rat would die in the wall. Oh yeah! And in the main room, it would oh really nasty. The carpet was so gross in the main room when I showed up, and it, every time it rained, there would be like four leaks in the roof. Oh sure, especially in the OR too. Robin, the or room. Eddie Griffin, or someone did shows. There to was like fix three different shows. Robin and Billy Crystal did a show. No, Billy Crystal came to watch Robin. Yeah, right. Yeah, and he he raised a lot of money to to get the roof done. And we didn't use it for that. And then um, <laughs> <laughs> what? No, Mitzi had taxes to pay. And then Eddie Griffin did one to try to. And he was like, I thought we already got a roof. Like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure we were told that there was a benefit show for roofs already. But she had tax problems and all kinds of shit. So, there, I mean, there was points where if she didn't pay the mortgage that she would lose, the bank would own it. She had remortgaged so many times and was, you know, if one payment missed, she lost the building. Yeah, I remember there was a time... I, I, checks were bouncing. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. Did I? Yeah, I, ha- I would have like forty-five dollar checks bounce and from this place. It was hard. It was. Be like, what, I don't know how she on? did it. And then she sold Crest Hill, and that helped a little bit. And then there was other stuff that she was just finding, somehow finding a way to keep this building together. And La Jolla would keep it open for a while, and now we keep La Jolla open. And La Jolla is coming up though. This good. is good. Yeah, I I love that club. That's a great thing. Well, it's it's interesting that you mentioned that for the whole generation of comedians that I was here with, 
in in the mid seventies. That was the first place we ever got paid to do comedy. Exactly. Yeah. And you'd go down there, and when I started there, I'm pretty sure we were there Tuesday through Sunday. Oh, neat! And so you actually made decent money. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, you got to stay that. on the yeah. beach for a week. Yeah, and, yeah, stay on the beach for a week and and uh, do the shows, and it, it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I have the same memory. First time getting paid when I did that show at Charlie Hill for Cowboys right. and Indians. <laughs> I remember going down there. We did the show. Hanging out with Charlie was awesome. I'm like, this is so cool. And then I got a check for like $400 for it. And I was like, oh, my God. This Ooh. is the shit. Money. And I came back and worked seven nights a week for Less $150. <laughs> <laughs> got here at six thirty. Left at three in the morning. Got Cleaning my twenty five bucks. Pee and shit in a booth and whatever well, else they yeah. could come up with. Uh, you had to clean up the pee on the patio when yeah, that lady did it. Yeah, I commented on Jeff's Facebook page about watching Harris put, just grab her by the hair while she was pissing, just squatted in a skirt. Animals. Just being like, "What the fuck is going on?" Just handled it. You gotta go. Where, where was she urinating? She on the in patio. The, the little corner on the front, like if you're facing sunset to oh, the left yes. side. Yeah, well, we're not, we're not going to have any of that. Yeah. <laughs> we run a class establishment. And, uh, you know, you you want to piss on our place? No. Go go next door. Go yeah. to Hyatt or whatever they call it now, Uncle Monkey's Hotel for, <laughs> for squibs. The Andas. Yeah. Ugh, the Andas. It's so fancy. Nobody even wants to jump out of it. <laughs> and I remember... The to me the funny part the two things were one how casual Harris was about it yeah he rolled her into the sidewalk just turned around walked back to the f- front door where he was standing gotta go and then her yelling that he got piss on her because <laughs> she was pissing while he dragged her out just like how rude she thought it was yeah yeah she's yeah be like, yes. oh, he's the monster. rude one yeah, yeah. He's, how dare he interrupt your bathrooming. <laughs> Yes, being criticized by the local debris. <laughs> oh my God! Then, well, it's you, you mentioned pissing. My favorite pissing story here. Oh, good. Has always been Lauren Hutton was nice. here. Okay, and she she liked watching Sam, and I actually think she she liked more than watching him. Okay, I believe okay. that. Okay, once called the most beautiful woman in the world, etc. We're standing in the parking lot. And she's telling us she just got back from, I don't know, Africa or India. And, you know, people just piss right in the street. And then she walked a few steps, squatted down, and took a leak. Nice. Right there. Class. Lauren Hutton. Yeah, we're, we're watching. I'm telling you know, my mother. <laughs> we're watching this, this Maybelline spokeswoman. <sighs> Take a steamy leak right there in the parking lot. Sun, suddenly, Harris is into the watching the pissing. No, I, I had no choice. <laughs> At that in the point, matter. you just let it happen. We, we, no, we were literally talking to her, yeah. and she just, you know, disguised to let her rip potato chip. And, <laughs> and I'm thinking, cover girl, my ass. All right. 
I, I, I remember. It looks yeah, mind-boggling. I, I remember it. I remembered it. <laughs> That's amazing. Now, do you think she told you the story about them pissing on, to try uh, to on the get, street so yeah. that she could just go piss? I think it was, she set it was up a setup. Bit. It was yeah. a setup. It was her perverted piss foreplay. I oh, think I like it. it set up, set up, punch. Yeah. Peter, that calm was down, the punch. Peter. Oh, sorry. It's Peter Chen's how come every class. time? How come every time uh, <laughs> a comedian on stage, nobody is talking, but as soon as I get on the stage, Don Barris is here talking. <laughs> Always funny. Just the worst. <laughs> Torment Peter. Fucking Peter Chen. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, Harris, you're amazing. Thank yeah, you for thank joining you. us. No, you really are. You really... Our podcast is just about the comedy store, so we, we want Chen. people... Why? You have a good Peter Chen no, story? No, I have no oh. stories about him at all. I, I really found it almost impossible to communicate with him on any level. I yeah. agree. Okay, but I'll just... You mentioned Peter, and Peter's Asian. And my way here from El Segundo, an Asian guy picked me up. Okay. He, it was Peter. His, I'm no, kidding. it wasn't. His <laughs> English die. was extremely limited. Okay. Okay. That happens very, a lot. Very yeah. limited. And, and I think he said he was here two years. So I only tell this story to illustrate how stupid I am. Mm-hmm. So we're driving on the 405. And we're passing uh, Hillside Cemetery on the right, where Al Jolson's grave is. You see this Whoa. big structure on the right with a waterfall. And I said to him, hey, that's Al Jolson's grave. <laughs> okay? And this is a 22-year-old Asian who's been in the country for two years. It was a feng chao. Who has no idea no. who Al Jolson is. Jesus. But yet I was compelled to point it out. Because <laughs> who doesn't love Jolson? <laughs> you know, so so yeah. Al- although I have been surrounded and uh, amidst chuckleheads all my life, at any given moment, I could out chuckle any of them. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty impressive. Well, we do that. That is one of the characters we do have here. We have Peter Chen reincarnated by uh, Feng Chao. I don't know if you've met him. Oh, he's nope. somewhere new, upstairs. New Chinese he's, door guy. Yeah, he's, he's like, I, I run the comedy store. I know? call him the dynasty because this guy, he's Or they call him the in. chowman of the board. Yeah. Oh, that's another one. That's a great name. <laughs> Danish and O'Neill gave him that one. I forget which one. Yeah. But one of them named him chowman of the board. I, mean, I call him feng shui. He's, he makes the room better. He's one of those dudes that is... He should have been point, here back a, in the day. Yeah, he's 100% funnier off stage right now. <laughs> but... Aren't we all? It is uh, spectacular to like watch. He just loves fucking with people. When uh, who, who's the guy who's on uh, America's Got Talent? How Howie Mandel? Oh yeah, yeah. So Howie Mandel has like that. He's a germaphobe or whatever. Right. Oh yeah. So yes. he was here maybe a year and a half ago, and someone was like, "Hey, you should go try and shake his hand or something like that." And he was like, "What?" Idiots. And they go. Yeah, he doesn't like shaking hands, and he's like, watch this. And Feng Chao walks over to him, and he's like, hey, I'm a big fan, and, you know, I just want to shake your hand, because in my country, it's such an honor. And he's like, oh, okay, man. He tries to give him a fist bump, and he's like, I, I need to shake your hand. And <laughs> he, he just stays insisted. On he's just an idiot. kept going until Howie finally shook his hand, and then he made him. Get rid of him. Just gives the other hand. You on see Howie boiling his hands in the back. <laughs> Never like, wake happening? a sleepwalker. You might startle them. <laughs> but I could see Feng Chao like turning around, like, oh, he, God. yeah, he did. He looked what right. What was out. Howie doing here? 
He Howie Comstock, uh, he was doing uh, something for Just for Laughs in Montreal, so he good. he came and was working some stuff out. Yeah, so it's good to see him. Well, I haven't th- I he guess. used to come a lot more. Oh, every night. I mean, even when I was here in the '90s. So, yeah, but we, of course, in the '80s, he was here every 80s night. '80s is your all time. I remember when he got St. Elsewhere and amazing things worked forgot out. Forgot about that, but yes, I forgot that's where he started. St. Just Elsewhere. another filthy com- Canadian stealing our money. There you okay, go. An American Don't try to wake up Rick. Could do what he does. Yep. We don't make need, no mistake about that, young man. We don't need these frostbacks coming down here and ruining our it. lives. Oh, their country's so great. They got to come here and steal our money. Don't get me wrong. I like them. I'm a hockey fan. <laughs> okay, they make good whiskey, but to, to come here and take our jobs, piss on them. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yep. Our I mean, money's worth more than theirs. So. Oh, Finally. Wait a minute. Finally. <laughs> I always say when you used to buy a book in the 90s, it would be five ninety five in America and seven ninety five in Canada because they had that $2 tariff to pay to teach them to read. <laughs> Animals. I was there in September. I had a great time. Where Where did you go? Toronto? Uh, no. Oh, no. You're on. I went to Pincher Creek, Alberta to my friend's... Uh, you talked about hockey. I made friends in hockey, and one of them, after he retired, started a cattle ranch. Uh, 1,100 acres, 1,300 acres. Wow. And it's, I like going to the ranch. He always makes me work. And I, I like it. That's awesome. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You like to work. I like that. <laughs> I, like to, I like to do work where I can see my progress. But you also, you still play hockey. Like, that's yeah. amazing. That's not an easy sport no, to not keep the way up I with. Play it. <laughs> <laughs> but you teach too, don't you? Don't you no, I don't. What am I going to teach? No, I thought the, <laughs> the hockey camp or something. I, I worked the last three Wayne Gretzky hockey camps, but I wasn't, it was not in a teaching capacity. Oh, okay. You just play. I oh, got it. Okay. They teach. You just. No, I, I worked. Uh, I made sure all the pros had what they needed. Got it. Because okay. I could be trusted with the pros. There you go. You're a pro's pro. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I had a, uh, I, I was evacuated for these wildfires for a week. And uh, so we had to. <laughs> Crazy, right? We had to, there was smoke damage inside our place. So we had to have the crews come out and clean it. And so for three days we had a. They sent a serve pro or whatever, sent a crew of four Mexicans, and they cleaned everything in our house from the ceiling down. And then the last day, the only thing left to do was carpets. So they said, yeah, the carpet guys are going to be there in like two hours. I'm like, all right. So the doorbell rings. I go over, answer the door. And it's two chubby, bearded white guys. And I'm like, that's not what I was expecting. (laughs) The guy's like, oh, we're here to clean your carpets. And I'm like, is this guy a Canadian? So they come in. And they start cleaning carpets, and the one guy's talking to the other guy about, you know, he's basically training him, like, this is what we do. And then uh, the, the one guy keeps actually dropping, eh? And I go, are you guys Canadian? The guy was like, yeah, he just moved down here. And, you know, I've been down here for like four years. My wife is American. And I'm like, oh, cool. <laughs> so they're sitting there cleaning the carpets, and I'm just kind of listening to them because I think it's fun to mock people who are different than me. Naturally. And, uh, I'll see what's wrong the, with that. The guy goes... You know whose house uh, I cleaned the carpets on the other day? And the guy's like, no, who? And he was like, the great one, Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> and he goes, really? He goes, yeah, he's got a place over in oh. Westlake. And he goes, so what'd you do? And he's like, I cleaned his carpets. And the other guy goes, oh, man, I would have retired after that. <laughs> and in my mind, I'm thinking, you would have retired from Why? carpet cleaning? Would you make enough just yeah, for cleaning Wayne How carpet? much did Wayne Gretzky pay you to clean his carpets? And, uh, did you keep the soot you pulled out of <laughs> his carpet? Oh, yeah, this carpet? is the great one, smoke damage. 
Did you did you have insurance for that? Yeah. Oh, okay, that's good. Yeah, thank you. Well, I think you have to too, especially up there, right? He didn't. Yeah. Well, I I don't outright own my home, so. Oh right. I have okay. to have insurance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Through every, the bank, so. Caponera was up there. He also got evacuated a lot. Yeah. You know, it just again, this goes back to Leno's old bit. Okay, Leno was doing this in the in the mid to late seventies. Okay, we have we have the wildfires here and we have the mudslides here. It's always the same people. They're on the news twice a year and they're interviewing. Well, yeah, you know, it's a bad break, but we love it here. We're, we're going to be real. We're going to rebuild. Move, asshole! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it was it was funny. We're going to rebuild. Everybody does that when the the tornadoes in the south. Yeah, you know stuff like that. We'll, this re- is our we'll home. just rebuild. A little to the left. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to build a hill and then put it on top of well, the, end of the flooding problem. Put more chimes out well, and I've we'll get it. Well, I've said that if you, if you live in a mobile home, there's only three things that can happen to you. Okay. okay? You're either sucked up in a tornado and following yellow bricks for the rest of your damn Amazing. life. Yep. Okay. Your brother-in-law comes over on New Year's Eve and shotguns the entire family. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or there's a fire and you're identified through dental records. <laughs> Those are the only three things that can happen to mobile home dwellers. Uh, oh. The only pr- issue I have with that is the thought that people in mobile homes have dental records. <laughs> well, there you I go. Do. Yeah. <laughs> do you live in a mobile home? Yes, I do. So I does live. Holtzman. Oh, okay. I live in a, a, a double-wide and... Uh, you know, I, I like to say that I'm not trailer trash. I'm mobile dwelling debris. <laughs> Ooh, very exciting. Kind of a high-class version of that animal. But do they have any natural nonsense disasters up there? Or? Blizzards. We, we, we do get fires. And oh, okay. They are, they are very, very frightening. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah, it's wow, cool. I didn't know that. Seeing, seeing pictures that neighbors and stuff took of the... Uh, I live in a townhouse, and directly across the street from us is a giant nature preserve but it's california mountain so it's not like it's a forest it's just arid oh, bushes that's weird because trump said it was, anyway go uh, ahead but yeah it's uh <laughs> the it, like forest. you're just looking at it and you're like holy shit it literally just looks like an entire mountain of fire it's frightening yeah, yeah no i had one that stopped about a mile from me and it it, it, it gets your attention yeah what happened was i was in town and I saw a lightning strike, and then I saw fire, and I, I was umpiring a baseball game at the time, so I, could, I, I, I didn't even know it was by my house. Mm-hmm. And then we'd watch the fire in the distance, you know, it was a few miles away, but we could see it. And somebody said, where do you live? And I told them where I lived. They go, your house burnt down already. <gasps> I go, what? And then I, I left, and I went to a gas station. They had the scanner on. And I told them where I lived. They go, your house is burnt down. Your road's closed. I mean, you can't even go to your house. Jesus. And then I'm driving home on the freeway, and there's an orange curtain of fire. And then when I got to my exit, I saw that it did not get to my house. It missed. Yeah, it hadn't gotten that far. And so I was able to go to my house, and, yeah, it didn't get there, but it, it got my attention. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, I, I, when we moved there, I moved there like a year and a half ago. I didn't even consider, you know, that I, it would happen to us, but. The, the it hill never can is happen. across the street is just a giant charred earth at this point. So wow, it's it's weird to see. You know, people say, "Oh, you should have a backpack with your checkbook in it and your passport and your uh, your valued pictures." 
piss on it. I don't care. <sighs> it's just stuff. We'll get more stuff. And the most important pictures that you have live in your mind and heart forever. That's there right. There you go. See, that's a beautiful way. That is a nice put sentiment. It. Yeah. I mean, I keep my passport and everything in my car, and then my dad gave me a survival bottle, and I, I feel like I'm fine. People kept saying, to, to, did you just, you just load it up like all your pictures? And I go, yeah, yeah, I took my phone. I don't have a bunch <laughs> of pictures. What are you fucking talking about? Yeah, that's yeah, right. You know, my class picture from third grade, I, <laughs> I'm just going to have to live without it. <laughs> this is Grundy's. This is Grundy's class. It's just I wasn't fully awake live in my anyway. mind now. That's hysterical. Um, well, all right. Thank you so much for being thank here. You, I think Mr. we Pete. exhausted you. Uh, well, you know, I... Uh, oh, shit. I just look at the time. That went. Yeah. I, I, I'm sorry. Um, no, I love it. I could talk to you all day because you're Harris Pete. I love but I have to tinkle. Ah, Eleanor, to converse oh. with so sweet of flowers. No, <laughs> no exertion at all. Ask I your knew. question, sweetheart. Oh, yeah, Ron White. As, as I do a bad Ronald Coleman. Mm, beautiful in my ears. Might as well have said Al Jolson. They don't know who he is. Exactly. Uh, do you have any dates coming up? Do you want to plug? Well, Are you going to be in? I don't want to plug them, but uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll be... At the fabulous Tropicana Hotel, where the Laugh Factory, uh, run by the esteemed Harry Basil, is. And I'll be there January 21st through 27th with Rich Hall and Jeffrey Wayne, a deluxe show. It is a unique show in that all three of us are the same age and all three of us are old. Okay? (laughs) Our combined age... Jesus. Is 192. Okay. Wow. If the show were a week and a half later, it would be 193. <laughs> and Rich Hall's just great. And Jeff He's Wayne. He's terrific. Jeff Wayne's great. A lot of fun. I know him from Headshots. Yeah. Jeff Wayne? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was performing here when I started. Yeah. And so, yeah, if, if you're in Las Vegas, uh, uh, just uh, just tell him I sent you. Check <laughs> out these fine gentlemen. Now, now you say to them, tell them your name. Tell him your name, Harris. Keep me out of this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't know the bit, Harris, but I like it's it. Okay, I, I'm I'm on it now. Uh, Rick, do you have? You'll be here at the world famous. Yeah, I'll be here. Uh, I'll be the the bitter, angry one. No, that looks like a mass shooter. And, okay, uh, I like where you're going. Yeah, with just this. you know, come to the show and do not talk to me afterwards. <laughs> I I, uh, I forgot another engagement I had. Please, it, I think it's around July 9th. It's it's a Friday night. Uh, the Elks Club in Livingston, Montana. They're having the statewide convention, <gasps> and Rich Hall and I are doing that show. That's amazing. Nice. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Rich Hall's funny. I didn't Rich know Hall's his work, great. and I saw you guys there a couple months ago, and you killed it. So all of you killed it. But uh, I it will be at Parks Casino. Um, the 19th, the 20th in media, and then the 27th at the Trocadero in Philadelphia. Uh, and then Vegas at the Laugh Factory with the great Andrew Dice Clay. Um, where are we? December 28, 29, 30. So I'll be there. And then here for uh, New Year's Eve. And then we have uh, the great Josh O'Brien, our CB, who we're going to let promote his dates because he's a 
Nice man. Don't worry, I won't fax you anything about what CB <laughs> stuff I've done. That made me laugh so hard because I don't know how many times there are people. We <laughs> built a bridge made out of 55 gallon oil drums and, and balsa wood, and a Sherman tank could cross it at full fucking speed. Yeah, you have no idea. Last deployment, man. You know, you, got, you thought you were doing something in Ramadi. Well, we were in Palm Beach. And. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but um, I won't talk about that, but we'll talk about dropping a sprint car in Fremont, Ohio. <laughs> That's part, and doing two shows, Fremont, Ohio, New Year's Eve, uh, 6 o'clock and 9 o'clock will be me and Travis Carl. It's the hero and the champ. Um, I'm working on some dates in Detroit and Virginia Beach coming up soon, too, but I don't know when those exactly are yet. And, uh, yes, civilianization, it's a podcast for veterans. Uh, we just usually shoot the shit about what we did. Uh, good stuff, bad stuff, a lot of debauchery. And, uh, you know, you Rocco still is coming back, or as they call Rocco Cho now, I guess. Oh, I don't know. Rocco Cho, <laughs> yeah. We, we merged him with Margaret Cho. My friend Rocco dates Margaret, so he's Rocco Cho. There he is. Thanks, guys. Thank you guys Listen, for listening. Rate. rate, subscribe. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas uh, from Harris Pete. Definitely Merry <laughs> Christmas. <laughs>